Hi, I'm Chris. Hey, everybody. I'm Robert. And we're the Foam Flamers, bringing you our latest hot take. This month, we're covering The Grudge. That's right. That's The Grudge 2020. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Produced by Sam Raimi, surprisingly, and of course, directed by Nicholas Pesci. Pesci? Pesky? Is that? I don't... I I don't know. I don't either. I mean, we'll say that for now. Hold on. My edutainment fails me. Yeah. (laughs) We'll say... Wait, what did you say first? Pesci? Pesci? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Who is the director of uh, Eyes of My Mother and one of my favorite movies from 2019, Piercing? So... Yeah. And he he wrote this movie too, right? It was written and directed by? Uh, Screenplay by, story by. Uh, Yeah, looks like it. Okay. So, um, as you may have heard on our Shooting the Flames episode last week, we already knew sort of the abysmal reviews and ratings that this grudge iteration was getting before we went to go see it. But uh, we were fully committed, and um, we went to go see it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, like, I'm getting sent all of these things, like, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, aggregate, which is 16% and the audience rating is like 19%, which almost never happens, right. right? And then, of course, the consensus reads, Dull and derivative, the rebooted grudge wastes a talented cast and filmmaker on watered-down scares that may leave viewers nursing grievances of their own. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Matt uh, sent me the cinema score, which has got a rare average grade of F, which I think is one of 20 films of all time that have ever gotten that score or something. I mean, like most recently, I think that the most famous movie to get an F on cinema score was Mother. Oh, wow. And yeah, because everyone was expecting that to be like this big, like critical darling and audience favorite. And yet, you know, it got a rare F on cinema score. So That's strange because the the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and even the audience score is way higher than that. So, yeah, it was um, that opening weekend for Mother. It was F all over the place for cinema scores. Yeah, so. and you know what? I don't think Robert or I uh, hated The Grudge. I don't think it was a horrible movie. No. But, I mean, this this kind of thing makes me think a little bit about aggregates, right? Uh, if you see scores like this, when everyone sort of agrees or there's a consensus that a film just isn't good, they aren't saying it's atrocious necessarily. Uh, And I'd suspect many are just saying that it's just beige, boring, sitting there collapsing on itself like a flan in a cupboard, you know? (laughs) But if everyone agrees that, that, you know, like if everyone agrees in the world that this is just not a great film, then it's going to get that F. It's going to get horrible ratings on Rotten Tomatoes because that's just how aggregates work, Right. right? So... I don't know. Um, I didn't hate this movie. What about you? No, I didn't hate it either. And I think it's safe to say from this point out, there will be spoilers. So, um, you know, stay tuned at your own risk. Go yeah. see The Grudge 2020 and you know, come back and listen to us. But we're going to be talking about it from here on out. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I did not. I didn't hate this movie. Um, I also didn't love it. You know, I think beige is actually the best adjective to use for describing this particular film. And I am a huge fan of the Grudge series, both, you know, the the Japanese versions, Juon and, and all its, um, you know, sequels and the American sequels. I, I, I like those quite a bit. And so I had I think I had high expectations for this movie. Um, 
Well, but, no, and, and I think you're justified in that because, I mean, if you look at the director and he did piercing, you, it's shit. You look at the the guy who did the music, or actually the guys, I guess, the Newton Brothers, Newton right? Brothers, yeah. They just came off of uh, Doctor Sleep, which was mm-hmm. a great soundtrack, right? And then you've got this cast with, like, uh, you know, Andrea Riseborough and, like, John Cho and Lynn Shay, you know? For sure. Uh, who's, like, horror royalty. And, you know, of course, her brother started New Line Cinema, essentially founded it, you know? And, you know, you got all this talent, you know? You got Sam Raimi producing it. And yet it's, like, no one's best work. It's just, like, everyone just came to do a job and left. It's so strange. I think we also have to bring up the fact that this movie was supposed to come out in January of 2019. So let's push back a full year. And, you know, we're almost never privy to the reasons why that they would push something back, you know? <clears throat> Maybe they thought they needed to do some research, reshoots or reworking of it, but nevertheless, it took a full year after this movie's completion to be released into the movie theater. Yeah. And, I mean... <sighs> Honestly, they could have pushed it back another year and maybe like changed a couple things, I guess. But well, honestly, like I look at this film and I think it would have worked. And I, I know I keep saying this uh, from time to time, but it almost just seems like it would have worked so much better as you know a series, a mini series, kind of like The Haunting of Hill House or something, where you've got this like episodic. Okay, here's this family that lived in the house and what happened to them. And this next episode, you know, here's this family and what happened to them. And you can kind of go back and forth. The Haunting of Hill House did that so well in episodic form uh, format, and I feel like this one suffers being kind of pushed into this, you know, uh, tighter, you know, ninety-four minute movie when it it had so much to tell with all of these it was just almost too packed with all of the different families and what had happened with them and how it came over from japan you know and and it was just like back and forth in almost a pulp fictiony kind of way yeah and it, it kind of got i kind of got lost in who was first you know what was happening you know why it matters and the rules were also seemed to be different than the original grudge and it seemed to be more house-based instead of person-based. And I don't know. I just I enjoyed our journey with like the American version uh back in like 2004 or whatever with um Sarah Michelle Geller. You know, she sleuthed right on through that and ended up trying to burn the house down too and was wrong, which is the whole, you know, twist at the end, mm, I guess. Yeah. But you know, like it's this movie was all over the place. It just didn't have the great great narrative flow or pacing it was kind of boring it was really over reliant on jump scares some of those are really really good jump scares but like i didn't have this feeling of dread which i think it could have had if it had more solid like narrative flow and i completely agree with you i think one of the one of the things i like most about um at least the american remake of the grudge the first one um was that i mean it really it took a character and it it told their story for that particular point in the movie. Yes, there was the overarching, you know, plot with Sarah Michelle Geller's character, Karen, I think her name was. And but like whenever it broke away from her, it it told a complete story, right? Like her sister-in-law and, you know, the family who lived in the house that she was going to work in as a social worker and things like yeah. that. You know, but this movie sort of broke up those narrative flows way too much. Like I would rather have seen John Cho and his wife's story told to fruition and then move on to the next one. I think it would have been better for me. Right. Yeah. 
And you're right. This would have worked a lot better as a, as a series, I think, if you're going to do that kind of procedural aspect to it. Because really, this movie relied very heavily on like the, 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 cop, the cop aspect, you know, which would, there's some parts in like the other grudges that deal with the police and whatnot. And but uh, they're just not explored as much. If you're going to do this kind of exploration with that, like crime procedural, you need to take your time and, and do it well. I'm, I don't think that I got enough time to get to know these characters enough to care about the outcomes <laughs> of their lives after they step foot in that house. Right. Yeah. And like I said, um, you know, it could have had this creeping dread for each of those stories, but it's like, no, we're going to stop this and bring you to the present. And as soon as that builds, it just cuts to another scene, you know, or a flashback. And it's just, and that's why it seems like, you know, the jump scares are so, you know, the focus of, you know, how it's trying to present as a horror movie rather than, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, completely manufactured of... jump scares too. I mean, like there was, I mean, there was one effective one for me, the only one that I jumped at. And uh, did you jump at any of these jump scares at all? I think the one where they're in the car and there was someone like... Oh, beating on the window or whatever? Window. Yeah. Yeah. So I jumped, um, spoiler alert, uh, whenever she had gotten home after burning the house down or whatever and she was calling her kid over and the kid was walking up to her and it ran at her and it turned out to be the little girl and then her, her son was still in bed or whatnot. It was oh, the one time. that was in the time. trailer and I remembered that, yeah. Oh, really? See, yeah. and then I, after I jumped at that, I was just like, this was in another trailer too. There was a very similar scare in the Prodigy trailer and I was like, that also made me jump. <laughs> so, well, and you know, that's kind of a new, like I love how they keep like adding on to like the, the change jump scare thing, like someone running at you thing. And I think the first one of those happened, I want to say in an Annabelle movie. Oh yeah. Probably creation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's effective. I mean, the the jump scares were good and this, this movie tried its best to, to build on, on some sort of dread. It just never really came to fruition. Um, So I don't know. How do you feel about the acting in this movie? I didn't have a problem with the acting at all. I thought they all did, you know, their, their best, you know, you've got some heavy hitters here, you know, uh, Andrea Rice, Riceborough is someone that I don't recognize, even though she's been in a whole bunch of stuff that I've seen, you know, um, uh, and, and a bunch of kind of horror ish. She was in like Birdman. She was in oblivion. Um, she's been in a, a lot of other movies and I just, and Mandy, but I don't remember her. But yeah, she's I don't like remember the Mandy either. Yeah. yeah, she's like the short-haired uh, police officer in this. And actually, now that I mentioned that, there was another reviewer that actually kind of compared this to Fallen in a way that they were trying to kind of ground this with almost like a police procedural type of situation. And they just didn't succeed at it at all because everything just got such a short time in the spotlight that you're not sure where you're supposed to have focus in the narrative. I mean, really it could have been a two and a half hour movie and that would have made it a little better. Although I'm not quite sure if they didn't like amp up things, then, you know, I would have enjoyed it anymore if it were longer. Um, I do think that the, the John Cho, Betty Gilpin storyline was my favorite, right? The couple that was having, you know, yeah. Pregnancy problems. I mean, I, I really liked them. I like, I like her as an actress, but it opens great. Um, but really my favorite person in this movie was Jackie Weaver. Right. And I, I always forget how much I love her until I see her in whatever movie she's in at that particular point. I mean, she's nominated for a best supporting actress for God's sake many years ago, but, um, so she played that, um, 
assisted suicide woman. She was so who good was coming to help them. Silver Linings playbook as the mother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, I just, I, I don't know why, but I really enjoyed her character and I enjoyed her performance in this movie so much. I just. Okay. At the beginning with John Cho, there was a woman across the street in giant hair curlers and she was the same stature and body type as Jackie Weaver. And I was like, was that Jackie Weaver's character? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, why would you choose oh, yeah. an actress of the same stature? Like, it doesn't make sense that she's the neighbor in that backlash. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. I just one of many mistakes. And the rules know. just seemed so out there. I, I hate to go back to the narrative issues since we're talking about the cast, but it's like John Cho, right? Like he didn't really see much, but he essentially just got possessed and went back and killed his wife in their home, I guess. You know? And that's not the way it works, no. right? Like I mean, it's, yeah. it's so different. Like some of them get haunted and they see things, then they can go and they're just kind of relentlessly haunted versus some other people get, you know, left alone like the guy the the husband taking care of his dying wife you know lin shay and you know it's just it was it presented itself differently almost every time and it wasn't consistent and i i never ha- remember having that problem in the original grudge well no and it, so i i took my nephew to see this movie and and <clears throat> he has seen all the other grudge movies so these the american ones cuz i showed them to him and he liked him very much and so this is the perfect person to go see this movie with and we were leaving the theater and we were driving home and he was like, it's not the same. What happened to like all the tendrils of hair coming out of the attic and like enveloping people and like, how come the ghost didn't kill people more often? And I was just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, just like artistic choice, I guess. Yeah. But, um, also, I have a problem with the marketing of this movie. Um they really hyped up the fact that this was rated R. Yeah. And the other grudges were not. <clears throat> and so, I mean, all all the trailers, all the promotional spots on social media really hyped up a violent gore factor, right? And I was sort of expecting that going into this movie. And this movie seemed almost a lot more tame than the original reboots or remakes of The Grudge. Like, there were some scenes in that original Grudge where I was just, like, floored. Like, when that, that woman had her whole mouth, like, ripped off. You know what I mean? Do you remember that from that original Grudge? That social worker walking through the school and she turns and, like, she's missing her lower jaw and it's just her tongue, like, wagging Oh, and my shit. God. And I loved all that stuff in the original Grudge where, like you know, nowhere is safe. It imprints on people, not on places, right? And so it can go anywhere, any time of day. It doesn't yeah. care. And that's what I loved. It was so relentless and inescapable. And that was part of that creeping dread. And any security officer could see it on the camera and then it would go for them. You know, like it was just so like prolific versus in this, it just seems so almost inconsistent and playful in a way like and then yeah, if you talk like about not, the gore scary. like lynn shay eventually spoiler alert lynn shay basically ends up killing herself and you know it's like it's an opportunity just to have that kind of somber moment but her body literally explodes when it's like, yeah. i'm like we're not water balloons like your head might do that but not yeah. your whole body like, what are you doing yeah she falls down like like three or four flights of stairs and her body's just like spilling all the blood that was contained inside i was like no i don't think that's how it happens. i literally laughed out loud i was like this movie has successfully made me laugh at lynn shay's death and i'm like this is the wrong thing like <laughs> reaction yeah. i'm having i don't know i mean 
as problematic as it is, I mean, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I have seen worse horror movies. And I mean, as far as like January goes, it's not the biggest time for horror films. Traditionally, I think that, you know, last year we had Escape Room come out like really early in January and it made a shit ton of money. And I mean, it's not the best movie, you know, certainly better than this one, I would say. But, um, I mean, I think that people are now flooding the early year market with horror movies because we have no less than like like three or four major horror releases coming out in January. And I think, you know, in previous years, we've, we were lucky to get maybe one, if if any at all. And so I, I if they're going to do that, you know, then you really need to check check your quality first, I think. Yeah, you know, I don't blame the studio. I, I mean, as far as, of course, they're the ones that said, we want another grudge. Let's kick this off again. Let's do it. Or is like a comeback. Like, let's bring all these important people together and just like make it. And so all the, you know, all the ingredients were there. And then, you know, just they just it couldn't you know, he couldn't pull it off for whatever reason. Like, it's not his style of movie to make or something. And and. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what went wrong, but maybe it's an editing thing. Maybe it's really just the, based on the story. It should have been, like I said, a, a miniseries of some kind. Although back to Jackie Weaver, I did, I did have one little thought. I was like, man, if they like really like remade Poltergeist shot for shot, I would love her as, as Tangina. Tangina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I completely agree with you. I didn't, I mean, that didn't occur to me while I was watching it. I'm so glad you said it now because I can totally envision that. It's just something about her, like her voice, right? When she's doing her American accent. And I mean, I, I don't know, just the look of her, the sound of her. Yeah. I was completely enthralled with her character. She almost seemed a little muppety. And, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she like. <laughs> Not that that's an insult at all. Like, adorable in a way, like, an endearing, you know? But she almost played it like she was a psychic. Yes. You know? Like, the way she was, like, walking through. And after she saw that, and she's like, okay, I understand, you know? One of the biggest laughs of the entire movie was when he was like, you know, I'm, I'm here because this house you know, there's a way for people to survive death. And I think that there's hope for her and that's why I'm here. And he's like, now that, and she's like, and she looked like she was being empathetic and he was like, now you understand. So help me, you know, have a peaceful end to her life. Cause she's there to, that's what she is. She's basically a Kevorkian. Right. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it just hard cuts to her packing her bags and leaving the house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah. But of course it's the grudge. So she's still not safe and she ends up being, you know, crispy critter. Yeah. She sort of bookends the movie a little bit too. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, I mean, as bad as the reviews were, I think that, I mean, it made a decent amount of money this weekend. It made like, I mean, 11, almost 11 and a half million dollars. It opened at number five for the box office. But yeah. I mean, like Star Wars had just come out recently and there's no stopping that movie currently. It was never going to be number one. But I think eleven million dollars is pretty decent. I don't. I don't know what the budget was for this movie. They're probably not. Uh, the budget's ten million, and now it's made eighteen million. Okay, so I mean, so. I think as long as it grosses maybe like thirty million worldwide, they'll they'll make their money back. So it's not a huge loss just yet. <clears throat> but I'm I'm, and hopefully people. I'm a big proponent of. Go decide for yourself whether or not a movie is good. You know, you don't have to run out and see it in the theater, but don't let a whole slew of negative reviews, you know, keep you from streaming this later on when it's released on Amazon or something. You know, always go and watch a movie and decide for yourself whether or not you like it. Well, I want them to learn from this because originally 
there was there's a plan uh, that they talked about back in September. And Nicholas Pesci expressed interest in a crossover film between The Grudge and The Ring. Well, they already have one of those. I mean, it's a it's a Japanese movie, you know. I mean, it's it's available to watch in its original format, you know. But I I don't think that American audiences are that invested in either one of these franchises enough to go see a uh, like Kayaku versus Sudoku, whatever yeah. you know. I mean, it's like it's just not it's not going to happen really. And I mean, I, and honestly, I think that with the reviews this movie has gotten, whether or not it makes some money, I think this kind of like puts a nail in the coffin of the grudge as far as American audiences go. Yeah. So, and Hopefully. I mean, and that's kind of, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of sad by that. Cause I, I mean, I like the franchise. I just think this one happens to be not the best entry. Into well, you know it, what? They're going to so. try again in another 10 years, you know? Probably. So yeah, everything's fun. typical. And right. meanwhile, I can go back to the original Japanese film and I can go back to the original American film, you know, both of which Directed are by the same way man. better. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why, maybe that's why the first American like version was so good because it's helmed by the man who made all the Japanese ones. Yeah. Right? And, I, so. and I actually like the American version better just because it adds this whole new dimension of like, he could have easily made it an American film, like over in America and done it for a shot for shot or whatever, but he had it as an American kind of fish out of water in Japan, you know, yep. and, and actually did that for the, for the home before them or the, the occupants before that. And so it had this whole other element of, you know, being trapped in open spaces, not being able to speak the language, not being able to know, you know, how to basically survive on the economy there. And uh, it was super interesting on that on top of everything else. She was just so alone versus I don't think any other grudge movie has really kind of re-encapsulated that. And I agree. I mean, I was thinking about it. I mean, like after we watched this movie, um, I was, I was laying in bed and I was thinking about the original American grudge. And I was like, I need to go back and watch that. But I was thinking about like, like Clea Duvall's character in that movie, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how lost she was, but she had to open up that package of ramen to smell it, to know what the flavor was and things like that. It's just like minor details like that, that make a movie so good. Visual and even the grudge too. Yeah. I mean, the grudge too was a, a good sequel to me. It continued on a storyline and gave us two characters and even brought some things to America. You know, I mean, it was, it was a, a good movie, a much better movie than this, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, what do you rate Grudge 2020? I gave it two stars. Out of five? Yep. I just looked it up on Letterboxd, and after I left the theater, I actually gave it two and a half stars <laughs> out of five. So, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know why I gave it that extra half. Um, yeah, it's not horrible I, like a one star would be. It's just not good. It's just flat out not good. It's just, I mean, it's just a middle of the road kind of like movie I, I didn't have a good time i didn't have a bad time it was just there you know i spent an hour and a half eating yeah, popcorn hits your extra 0.5 watching stars, yeah it. yeah i don't i don't know so, i have a slight bad taste in my mouth which is why i didn't give her that extra 0.5 for a meh rating it was a little worse than meh to me yeah i mean i guess if i i don't know because i'm still thinking about it now and i, I guess that if, if i'm still thinking about a movie several days after i watch it i i will give it you know a little extra bump or something but yeah i'm still thinking about it too but i'm just thinking about all the things that made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> so it works better for you as a comedy yeah. i don't know i really think that you and i are just like fans of movies in general and like there's really i mean i i I've, i don't think i've ever given a movie a one star review oh my god now i have so. to check have i oh shit 
<laughs> Filter. Sort by. Watch it be like my favorite fucking movie. You're like Magnolia. One star. <laughs> Lowest first. <laughs> uh, Last Jedi at two stars. Oh, okay. Life Aquatic. Okay, I'm there with you on that. Anna and the Apocalypse, The Ghost Ship, The Grudge. Those are my lowest rated movies. I have five. <laughs> I don't have a one star. I have five two stars, and The Grudge is on those. I'm actually going to go and, and rate up uh, Star Wars Last Jedi. I saw it again, and I'm less mad at it now. Oh, really? I need to watch that. Yeah. So I'm giving it, a, I'm lifting it up to three. <laughs> but I forgot what happened in the one that came before The Last Jedi, so I have to start all over again. Oh, God. I gave The Shape of Water two and a half. <laughs> It's not a good movie. It's just not. <sighs> Tree of Life. Hurt Locker. Wah, wah. You know what? I might give... Well, I haven't seen all of Tree of Life, so I can't read the that The Lovely movie. Bones. I've seen the first, like, 40 minutes. I like The Lovely Bones. The Endless. Anyway, Mortal Kombat. Way off topic. You didn't like Endless? No. I mean, it, I gave it two and a half, so it's meh. Anyway, I guess let's bring this in. <clears throat> Well, guys, I think that sort of wraps up our hot take on The Grudge 2020. Um, As always, we are curious to know what you think about this movie. I know a lot of people on Twitter went to go see it and they were expressing their disdain. But uh, you want to know what you, our listeners, think of it. You know, if you're going to go see it now or wait, whatever. uh, Reach out to us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us, of course, at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline line at 972-666-7733 and we'll play your voicemail on the air and respond to it that's right on the shooting the flames episode we love the voicemails keep them coming um and if you're listening to this podcast on apple Podcasts, just go ahead and hit that review button leave us a five-star review if you'd like and a little snippet of what you think of our podcast and we'll also read that on our shooting the flames episode it's been a while since we've had a review and we're kind of desperate to get one yeah please we're so lonely so so lonely so cold (laughs) (laughs) you can't say anything i'm here in boston snowing tonight we're having an ice apocalypse tomorrow it was 67 degrees today when I got home, so... Fuck you. <laughs> Guys, we have a lot more content for you coming out in January. Stay tuned for that. We're covering Karin Kusama's The Invitation on our deep dive this month, and we're going to have a very special year-end review for 2019, talking about all of our favorites, maybe some of our not-so-favorite movies of the year, and, um, and maybe even talk about some of the films that we're looking forward to in 2020. That's right. So... I guess until next time, everybody. I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even quite sure I can. <laughs> I forgot to do it. Sweet dreams. <laughs> I mean, like, really? The first grudge, like, scared the shit out of yeah, me when I watched everyone. it. Yeah, scared everyone. It was good. My fucking God. This one, not so much. Actually, I was scared to ask for my money back, but I was going to. <laughs> and yet two and a half stars? You just no, feel I'm bad just for it. No, I would never. I'd never I'm kind of shocked that I haven't rated anything one star. I'm like, I need to go be like a little harsher. I feel bad. I'm like, there's so many people that worked on these films. Like, I don't want to like rate anything one star, you know? Well, I've never rated anything one star because even, I mean, my worst movie going experience is still a good time to me. Like, I, I just like watching movies. I mean, if they're bad, I'll just never watch it again, you know? I mean, and I'm sure I'll watch this movie again when it comes out. I'll give it a second shot. Yeah. 
I'm probably not going to like it, though. Are we still recording? Yes. Oh. <laughs>